1: Throughout the book, there's very strong messages of trusting in God and that God has a plan for our pain and that God has meaning for all of this and that we may not find it right away. But if we can just take a moment to step out of our grief for just a minute, because sometimes I feel like grief does take hold of us. I mean, it really does. And it makes it hard to function and it makes it hard to go about normal life when everything feels so abnormal. But If we can take just a moment out of our grief to sit with him and read his scriptures and talk to friends and listen to podcasts like this, he'll give you a God wink. You know, he'll give you a statement or a verse or something that he wants you to sit with for a while. And um, it's just been such a blessing. A few people that have been able to read my book early have sent me lines out of the book that like, oh, I read this and it just hit me so hard. And they, they aren't even people who've lost somebody they love, but it's something they're going through. And I think that's the power of of a book or a podcast. You know, the way that God works is he just, he gives you a line or a verse and you, you carry it in your heart and your head for a while. And you'll know, you'll find out why he gave you that. Thank you for stopping by my podcast, Finding God in Our
0: Pain. Welcome. Hi, I'm your host, Sherry Pilkington. In this podcast, you'll hear firsthand stories of how the God of the Holy Bible meets real people in their real pain. We look at the good God we profess through the lens of pain and suffering. I'm processing the most painful season of my life after unexpectedly losing Larry, my husband of 32 years. In my journey, I've discovered that there are many types of deaths. Maybe you've asked God. How could you let this happen? Why me? Where are you, God? Do you even care? What am I supposed to do with my life now? Here at Finding God in Our Pain, we don't shy away from the tough questions. I ask them to my guests. I share what I've experienced. We give real examples of how God shows up in the darkest, most painful situations in life. May the stories that you hear and the advice you receive encourage you to engage the heart of God about your painful places or memories or experiences or even your unmet expectations. Lean in close to God's heart because he speaks beautiful things in the dark. What a pleasure it is to kick off the new year around the topic of joy with author Sonia Joy Mack. My only regret is that our time together was limited. It felt like we had just started when it came time to close. Sonia's book, This Changes Everything When Death No Longer Has the Final Say, is a true story of hope for those who grieve. And as I've often shared before, there are many types of grief because we are, uh, when we are separated from that which we hold near and dear to our heart, we need to grieve that loss. This book and the beauty that it shares was born from Sonia's deep heartache of losing her closest confidant and friend when her mother passed in 2010 due to ALS, also known as Lou Gehrig's disease. In today's episode, Sonia shares the various ways that she keeps her mother's memory alive with her two young daughters who never had the chance to meet their grandmother. I definitely benefited from what Sonia shared today because when I think about my husband only meeting two of our six grandchildren, I want to keep him alive in our family too. Of the two grandchildren that met him, my then four-year-old granddaughter is the only one who can barely remember him. So I'm gonna introduce them to their grandfather and keep his memory alive, adding in some of the practices Sonia uses with her daughters. Finding joy in the midst of grief uh, may sound like an oxymoron, but Sonia says it doesn't have to be. In her book, she talks about the various ways that she found joy again after her profound loss. If experiencing joy despite the presence of grief, still sounds a little out of touch with reality or maybe too good to be true, take heart. It wasn't an overnight discovery for Sonia. It wasn't without a genuine struggle in deep pain and even deeper questions. My personal experience is that when you're grieving, you must be purposeful to step out from under the weight of that type of pain because it can paralyze you. So it's important to change your focus or your surroundings and discover what else is going on around you. Sonia's book tells us of the various ways that we can take that much needed break from the overwhelm of grief and find even a small, short reprieve. Sanya is also the CEO of the Live Joy Life, and she shared that it's an organization that empowers women through community mindset, and the live joy principles, to live in the joy God intended. Any book's a great book when it shares all the information you're looking for on any given topic. And in this case, the topic is joy. But Sonia didn't stop at telling you why you need to find joy or the benefits of joy, and then hoping that you find ways to discover in your own efforts. She went a step further and developed the ACE method, which lays out action steps so that we can find the joy of life even in the the midst of grief. The ACE method is the acronym for assess, contemplate, and execute. And she gives a brief explanation on what they are and how to apply them to your life. This is a brief but encouraging conversation, so let's listen in to hear all that Sonia has to share, because death does not have the final say. Hello, Sonia. I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you for being a
1: guest today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
0: You are the author of the book, This Changes Everything, When Death No Longer Has the Final Say. And it's a true story of hope for those who grieve. So Our conversation is centered around the topic of your book, Finding Joy Again After Deep Loss and Grief. So I'm glad that we found each other because it's taken me quite a while to get my joy back. And even now I know that there's more joy to be had. So what happened in your life that caused you to engage God's heart on this topic of finding joy despite the intrusion of grief?
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for asking. And I'm sorry that you're going through that story too. Um, my story really started in uh, 2010 when my mom passed away from ALS and actually uh, in a very weird twist of faith, her 12 year anniversary of her passing was yesterday and the awesome. book technically releases tomorrow. It's a God thing. So in 2010, when my mom passed from ALS is really when the story started, I was only 29. And in the middle of all that, God kept giving me these words, this this feeling on my heart, something bigger, something different. And I had no idea what it meant. And it almost drive, drove me crazy. Here I was, you know, grieving the person I loved the most, the person I had so much of my future planned with. And in the midst of all that, this feeling of something bigger, something different. And that would take a while to figure that out. I've always been a writer just in a journaling sense. And I just wrote, I wrote. What does this mean? Why are you telling me this? Uh there was a brief period of time I thought I was supposed to be a singer or an actor, you know, something bigger, something different. But it wasn't until a few years ago when I was really I had this conversation with my brother where I would just randomly talk to him sometimes and say, you know, I still really miss mom. And it would be eight years later, or five years later. And one day he told me, You know, Sonia, when I'm sad, I like to think of the things that I have to be grateful for, because sometimes it makes that shift in our minds. And he said, one thing that I'm very grateful for is that you and I and our sister, we lived long enough to know mom and to be able to share our memories of her with the world and also, but with the people around us. So I, my children were actually born after my mom passed. But that was not the story that I wanted to tell. I wanted to tell of a story where I knew my mom so well and had so many memories of her that I could bring her forward to the future. And my kids could know her, even though she wasn't here physically. And so I looked at him and I said, Shane, this changes everything. We can rewrite our story because we know her so well. And. It was at that moment that I said, I'm going to write a book. And it just at first became a story for me of rewriting my mom back into all these things that she missed, big things that happened. And um, then as I was writing the book, it became pretty clear to me that God had another purpose for it, that this wasn't just a story for me, but that this story of hope and this story of remembering and this story of overcoming uh, and just transforming our grief into something that has purpose and meaning. And therefore joy was a story that others needed to.
0: What are some of the ways that you are bringing your mother into the future?
1: Yeah. So that's, that's really fun. My book is the number one way I bring, brought her into the future. Hopefully the world's going to get to meet her. Um, but my daughters and I, especially, we Find some really fun ways to bring grandma Vicky into the future. At night, sometimes when my girls can't sleep, I squeeze their arms or legs like toothpaste bottles and we call it getting all of the bad feelings out. And then there was a night I said, okay, we're going to put them in a box and we're going to give them to Jesus. And my oldest daughter said, you know, mom, I love Jesus, but I'd really love to give them to grandma Vicky." Hmm. And I said, that's very powerful. So now, you know, to see my sweet little nine-year-old who's actually never met my mom, hold up her hand with this little box of her, of her quote, bad feelings. Mm -hmm. And then she, I said, did she take them? She said, yeah, she took them. And, and she gave me this, uh, this good feeling dust, she called it. And so we take that and we sprinkle it on her and, and that helps them sleep. And, uh, gosh, so many more ways we celebrate her birthday every year by cooking the things that she would have cooked, which were some interesting combinations. I don't know how you grew up, but I grew up in a small town and my mom, God bless her soul was, uh, not the best, uh, chef we'll just say, but so we make Vicki meals and, um, Yesterday I commemorated her passing by watching a very cheesy Christmas Hallmark movie. Um, but those are the things, you know, you find the memories that are the most fun to you. Um, every trip I go on, because my mom, one of the things that we always said we were gonna do is go on trips because you know, we lived kind of a a very lower, lower middle class lifestyle when I was growing up, one parent working in a, a factory and we were blessed to have enough, but not enough, you know, not enough to do some of the things that we kind of had in our minds or dreamed of. And so we always dreamed of traveling. And so every time I go on a trip, um, and sometimes it's even just me and my mom. And so I call them an honor trip. I just recently returned from a trip to North Carolina. And that's what we did. We, I went by myself, essentially, but with my mom and I did all the things we would have done, she would have wanted to do. And I wrote about it and I brought her with me. And it was just, it's just so heartwarming and healing for people who have lost someone they love like that to feel like, you know, I really can rewrite my story. I really can bring this person back into my life with, with my words, my actions, and just my memories.
0: That is a precious way to keep them alive because one of the things that I find about my husband is that I'm starting to forget things. I still can't listen to his voice on a recording or or videos or stuff like that. And he's gone, he'll be gone five years in February. And at the time of this recording, it's December. So it's, that's been a difficult thing that my, some of my grandchildren will not know him and then the two oldest that did meet him, only the oldest really remembers him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, that's a beautiful thought that you can bring these uh, moments of their personalities and the what they liked and didn't like. And um, that's beautiful to me. So thank you for that. Mm-hmm. I, I have heard that ALS is very cruel. Did you have
1: time to grieve before her passing or did the grieving not hit until passing? I would say both. My family and I have often wondered, my day job is a physician assistant and I work in surgery and I, we work with a lot of breast cancer patients and, you know, thank goodness with modern medicine, most of them survive and thrive and do very well. But, you know, every once in a while you catch the late one and, and, and they don't. Um, And some of them, you know, some people with ALS, even they pass very quickly. My mom's journey was five years. and so. We often ask ourselves, uh, my family, would it have been, is it easier when they pass quickly and you're, and you're not ready for it or to, you know, watch that process of deterioration? And I don't think there's an answer. (laughs) I think both of them have their own set of struggles with it. I would say the thing, the blessing that we did have even watching her body fade was that uh, she I often say she taught me more faith from a hospital bed than most other people have in my whole life. And to be able to, to watch someone who is seemingly in one of the worst uh, situations ever, you know, she, at that point, she was, um, she was on a ventilator, she could still speak a little. But she was pretty much just confined to a hospital bed in our family home. But she still managed to find a way to bless so many people. Every person that came in that house that my mom had contact living at home those last two and a half years, but really couldn't, she couldn't move her arms or her legs, but she could, by the grace of God, still speak and people could understand her. I, I've just countless stories of of the way that um, she moved people to faith from such a, what seemingly looked like difficult place. Um, and, and that's something I'm pretty grateful for too. Grief is always hard and ALS was pretty hard, but I do feel like though we had time to grieve her during that, you know, there's always the intense, just that intense, I I call it a hollow feeling with a pain in the middle. It's like a, all you can feel is pain in the middle and the rest of you just feels hollow. That that initial stage of grief is just, it's tough. Yeah. Very tough, as I'm sure you know.
0: Yeah, that's a good description of it. That's for sure. I, I'm like you. I don't know which is better. Being able to say goodbye comes at a high price. Yeah. My husband uh, had a massive heart attack and was gone immediately. He did not uh, survive the, so an immediate death. Um, And of course I didn't get to say goodbye. When you lost your mom or maybe as you're losing your mom, what was your biggest why question for God?
1: Oh, my biggest why question for God was because so much of my future that I had envisioned was wrapped around her. You know, I was only 29 when she died. I was barely married. I hadn't had any kids. And my mom was, um, my best friend. We did everything together. My siblings were older than me. So I was the baby, you know, my mom's mini me. So why would you, why would you take her? And then I was reading a devotional once, um, that said, you know, what if God, what if the answer isn't that God took her to, cause us pain because obviously we know that's not the ultimate reason why he takes someone but to save her maybe something was going to happen to her in the future that was even worse and and then his grace took her for that reason and that kind of shifted things a little bit for me too it took me years really uh to realize that he had a bigger purpose for my pain and he knew that i was strong enough and determined enough Like you right now, this is example of it to use that pain for the betterment of others. And so I've grown really attached to the idea that the struggle is intentional, not because God is some kind of evil person who wants to cause us pain and see us suffer, but more because he knows that there is a way that we can grow from it and grow through it and also share it with others, almost like taking that hand and reaching it out to somebody behind you who's in those first stages and saying, you know what, I've been here before. It's going to hurt, but I'm going to help you through it. And God's going to help you through it. And I'm going to help show you how.
0: And I think when we take our pain. And step into the purpose that God has for that. I believe that's taking part in our redemption story. So we get this active portion of what God's going to do with that kind of pain. So that's pretty cool if you want to find a purpose for pain. I've discovered that there are many types of deaths, like the loss of a job or a physical ability, somebody's independence, a marriage, even taste and smell. I got COVID and I do not have my taste and smell. Mm-hmm. And what a small thing that I took for granted because now it seems really huge. So I do think it's important that we grieve over the loss. Do you feel that your book can help someone who's not grieving the specific loss of a loved one, but maybe the loss of normalcy or a title an expectation?
1: I often say grief is the loss of an expectation for the future, um, which comes in a lot of ways. Just like you said, all those ways, divorce, retirement, loss of a job, loss of a dream, all those things. It And, and I do feel like there are um, further hidden meanings and purposes uh, to my book than just the loss of a loved one. Um, One of the stories that is in the book is that my youngest daughter, Sophia, was born with a major medical condition, and we did not know if she was going to make it when she was born. Um, And again, I kept asking the question, how would things have been different if mom were here, right? (laughs) So that Mm -hmm. was part of Because I had to go through that, you know, and I had a supportive community. Both my babies went to the NICU. I neither one of my babies were normal newborn experiences. I didn't have the, you know, roll your baby around and bring them into the room and people coming to visit and snuggling and doing all that. Both my babies went to the NICU, and one was there for a week. One was there for two. One almost died. You know, there's a lot of grief there, (laughs) and still grief. Yeah, and so there's there's definitely throughout the book, there's very strong messages of trusting in God and that God has a plan for our pain and that God has meaning for all of this and that we may not find it right away. But if we can just take a moment to step out of our grief for just a minute, because sometimes I feel like grief does take hold of us. I mean, it really does. And it makes it hard to function and it makes it hard to go about normal life when everything feels so abnormal. But if we can take just a moment out of our grief to sit with him and read his scriptures and talk to friends and listen to podcasts like this, he'll give you a god wink, you know, he'll give you a statement or a verse or something that he wants you to sit with for a while. And, um, it's just been such a blessing. A few people that have been able to read my book early have sent me lines out of the book that like, Oh, I read this and it just hit me so hard. And they, they aren't even people who've lost somebody they love, but it's something they're going through. And I think that's the power of, of a book or a podcast, you know, the way that God works is he just, he gives you a line or a verse and you, you carry it in your heart and your head for a while. And you'll know, you'll find out why he gave you that again, it's such a blessing to be able to share. I will tell you so many times when I was writing this book, I would literally just sit down. I was, I, I didn't, I did some of it typing, but a lot of it was me with a pen and a notebook and just sitting with God and going, okay, help me write this story. Cause I don't know exactly what all I want to put in here. And I would write things and be like, oh, my gosh, that's totally from you. That's not me. And so that was pretty fun to to go back and read that.
0: That is pretty cool, too, because I've gone back that first year. For me, I had agreed the Lord had been after me to write. Right, 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 right. So I finally agreed to doing a blog because I kept thinking, if you're going to be a writer, you got to have a book. And I never had a book. So I agreed to do a blog and I'm working on my blog launch and all the fun stuff. And then my husband passes away, like, I want to say, like six days before the blog launch. And I was like, Lord, I finally agreed to write. And you pulled the rug out from underneath me. But long story short, I don't remember the first year. But when I looked and I had 52 blog posts, I was like, oh my gosh, it's been a year. And so I go back and look at him, I'm like, I don't remember writing any of this. This is so you, Lord, this is not me. This is your beauty. And so I I know what you mean when you say
1: that it was such a
0: discovery of, of the intimacy with which he carried me during that time.
1: Holy spirit goosebumps right now. Just so you know, (laughs) that's my thing. I was like, I use, I used to joke that the Holy spirit, when you, you know, something's coming out, that's when those are words for someone, someone needs to hear that. It's like, oh yeah, there's the Holy spirit. He's showing up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So when you, cause a minute ago you were just talking about how God, God will give you these winks and things. So where do you think God is when we are in this deep bone saturating pain? So in what ways did he show you he cared and that he was present and he was engaged?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Now on the other side of it, for sure. I see literally like I just him sitting right next to me. In fact, I, I took a picture today of Our pond with this old wooden dock that's out on there. And I just imagined myself sitting right next to him on there. And that's how I imagine uh, God is with so many people who are grieving because it's the pain inside sometimes is so hard that it's hard. It's difficult to see anything outside of it. Or like you said, you don't even remember the first year. There are parts of the first year after my mom passed that I, I don't remember. I just, I remember going back to work and thinking like, this is, I have to work. I'm supposed to be normal. And, um, but yeah, I, I just think God, God sits right next to right next to you. Sometimes you will have those moments where you, you know, can kind of look outside of that grief and see that he's right there. And I think he shows up in all kinds of ways. I think differently for everybody, for me specifically, he showed up in, uh, friends that would, sh- you know, send me text messages randomly with verses that were exactly what I needed, um, or uh, that would say, Hey, you should read this book. And I would read the book, and it was exactly what I needed, you know, just words that way. Um, he showed up in, I had actually quite a few opportunities to do some traveling after my mom passed, which, you know, was. I know a God thing because those were things that my mom and I had talked about doing. But the biggest thing, the biggest way I think he shows up is just with with what's surrounding us um, and who's surrounding us. And, you know, you find your true friends, you find your true allies when you go through something like this. They're the ones that'll send you the emails or the texts or the phone calls to check in on you and see, or they'll send you a verse and then just digging into his word and then writing. Those are, that, those are my ways. Um, well, I'd love to hear yours. What, what, how did you feel like God showed up in that first year? If you don't mind me asking, I should probably ask, but I would love to hear it. No, I welcome questions. Um,
0: More to your point that you didn't realize it until later, because when you're in the heat of it, or I say the heat of it, when you're in that place where no one can really reach your pain, they do what they can, they try to help. And it is comforting to know that people are thinking of you and people are thinking of your husband, but they they just can't reach that pain. Um, I didn't realize it at the time, per se, but it was in hindsight, time revealed the fact that God, his presence I didn't question his presence, I guess. Maybe it was more tangible at the time than I've realized it. But later when I look back, I would say that's the one thing that surprised me the most about the journey was that his presence is absolutely everything. And that just knowing that he cared, because I had history with him already prior to losing my husband. I had accepted Christ as as a, a young person, 13, fell away between 18 and 30 came back strong at 30 because I had run my life off in the ditch, wheels up, smoke pouring out of the vehicle you know, <laughs> for the uh, imagery. So I then began really pressing into the Lord and learning. I love that you said a grief is the loss of an anticipated or expected future. And so I'm asking God, where, where am I supposed to, who am I? What is a widow? You're not married, but you're not single. What is a widow? And I just think about the beauty of his presence
1: you said that he kind of sits with your why he, he, when you were going through it. And um, I think God welcomes our why. I, I think I think he does. And one of the ways that I think can be really helpful for some people, it's not everybody's, um, is you sit down and you write a letter to God, like you're writing a why. We can pray and visualize and think, but sometimes having something tangible, sitting down with a pen and a paper and writing it out. But then the one thing I've had to learn as I've gotten older is then, then you want to write the response. Like Uh it's one thing to write all your questions and your troubles, but then sit for a while and just turn just in what, what do you think God's answering you with and write that down? That has been incredible for me in the last few years responding as in God's voice through my pen. Uh It's just been incredible what he's put through that. Were you as, kind to yourself as he would be? Oh, not always. No, no. I mean, I think we're pretty hard with ourselves sometimes, but I'm learning as I, as I've gone through all of this and through this journey, most definitely I've learned to be much kinder to myself because I have to
0: remember, like, I love the idea of journaling. I have heard that so many times in this, in these types of conversations. And it's almost as if, if you verbalize it, that's one thing that's taking responsibility for your healing, but to put it on paper, it's almost as if it purged it or something. I don't know. You, you It's a level of purging probably as you vo- vocalize it, but getting it on paper is another level, it seems to be, because yeah. people who don't even normally journal say, I, I journaled and it made a difference for me. And then the response, how beautiful is that? I didn't even think about that. I haven't heard that. So that's really- That beautiful. was
1: suggested to me by a spiritual director. And I, I was like, hmm, I think I'll give that a try. And it's been- been incredible when i when i have like my biggest questions in life write them down but then actually give god the time and the energy and the and the pen and write the response Yeah, because it has to
0: be true to his nature and to his character and to his bible scripture verses is that what you think you used when you you're you're doing the response how did you know he would respond in that way
1: yeah, a lot of it has come back to the Bible verses or scriptures that have, you know, meant the most in my life. Um and I will be completely honest, you know, one of the biggest hesitations I had with God when he first really kind of was kicking me to write this book and start talking to people and doing all this, I'm like, Lord, I was not one of those. I call myself a faith by heart kind of girl when I was younger, like my journey with God started when I was younger because my parents, my grandparents would take me to church. My parents didn't even really go my grandparents would take me to church and I only went cause they would take me out to eat afterwards. Like I thought that was the coolest thing ever. Um, and then, you know, in high school, I was like, Oh yeah, some of my friends are doing it. This must be cool. And, um, it wasn't until I got older and started to get my own journey that I, you know, really started to, to feel that God was really around. And then I found music actually was the way that kind of I connected the most with him music and writing. Um, So it's really only been in the last few years that I would say I've started really digging into the Bible and memorizing verses. And it's been incredible the number of times that those verses have come up and they've saved me in times when I have been doubting myself or been like, Lord, I do not, I cannot do this. I'm not meant for this. I, I don't have a A degree in spirituality or anything like that. Who am I to teach people this stuff? And, uh, he just reminds me gently that, you know, he's the one that's equipping me and, and it's not through me. It's through him that is a humbling thing to realize that we don't have to have all
0: that we think we have to have we just have to have a relationship with him and then he pours himself out to uh, into us one of the things that i have discovered recently and he someone spoke this over me and they were talking about they were using words like exquisiteness and i got laughing because i'm like lord you see me as exquisite <laughs> That's like the farthest word I would have thought of me. But anyway, long story short, I'm talking to him about this prophecy over my life. And he said, I am those things. And then I realized, wait, you're right. I am those things because you are those things. That's who you are. And because I'm a daughter, that's why it's possible for me to be those things. Your identity is everything. Speaking of scripture, what is a scripture that you clung to one or two? If you can think of them off the top of your head, cause I'm good for remembering a scripture, but I can't tell you where to find it. I'm terrible. Like
1: oh my that. gosh. I even wrote that in my book. Cause my mom would say that all the time. She goes, I don't know the verse, but I know it's in there. <laughs> and so it's only, like I said, it's only been recently where I've maybe started to try to remember some more. Cause people ask me, Oh, which one's that? And I'm like, Oh, I don't know, but it's in there. just Google the words and it'll tell you which one that's all just being completely honest yeah. but I do have to um uh, be still and know that I'm God has gotten me through a lot because I am a uh type A busybody perfectionist and that gets me in trouble sometimes um and so I've had to, just take a deep breath and remember to be still and know that this is his plan, not mine. So I just need to find the stillness, listen and follow that. Um, That also comes through really well in grief, I think, because sometimes our minds get so, um, our minds, our, our body is so filled with the grief that we just don't even know what to do with ourselves. I tried to overfill my plate so that I wouldn't have time to be by myself to think about how I felt. And so he really really threw that one at me a lot, be still and know that I am God. And the one that really came when I was writing this book and has been coming out more in the last few years is uh, Romans 8, 28, which is all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And I rem- I really like that it says he doesn't say all things are good. He says all things will work together for good. And so that's the one because, you know, grief, pain, bad things that happen. We ask ourselves, how could this be good? Well, it all works together for good when God gets involved because he has a meaning. We just might not be able to see it right away. And so in that time when we can't see it right away, it's that's okay. That's the time when we just need to be still and rest with him and let him heal our hearts a little bit, um, which he tells us, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? Those, I guess that's another one that came up. I'm sitting here looking at a picture of my mom right now, actually. I'm just remembering those days, those first few, those first few years, especially when that's what, that's what I needed was just that reminder I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but right now my job is just to be still and know that he's healing me so that I, he can give me that message of something bigger so that he can work this together for good. There is power
0: in being still, because I think that's when we actually get to hear God's voice and his leading and how he tends to us in those times. Have you found other power in
1: being still? Stillness is healing Stillness is when i when most people get their greatest revelations. Stillness is a time to let go of all the anxieties that we have. It's, you know, our culture right now um actually almost shames you for stillness uh because, you know, it's You're supposed to be busy, you're supposed to be working, you're supposed to be um on social media, scrolling through everything, you're supposed to do this. And and you know, there's always TV. There's just all this noise. Mm -hmm. It it's so noisy right now. And I think that um a lot of the noise tells us that stillness is laziness, but Mm -hmm. stillness is not laziness, stillness is essential, especially those of us. Like myself that are that type A busy working mom, you know, I I have a, we have crazy schedules. We're the ones that need stillness the most. Uh, And and I prioritize stillness. It's like time blocked into my day. Sometimes it's just sitting with God. Sometimes it's writing with him. Sometimes it's praying, but sometimes it's literally just, sitting outside in nature and listening to the birds and putting my feet in the grass and, and just being still like that, that even medically speaking, stillness is restorative and regenerative. Like we need, our body needs that.
0: Once again, what the world says is weak or lazy. God uses it for beauty and power, a position of power and healing. Yeah. Restoration we're going to get to your ministry live joy life but before i ask you about that when you hear the phrase the joy or the scripture the joy of the lord is my strength what does that mean to you
1: i think for a lot of people the um joy in and of itself seems unattainable almost um it seems like almost too big of a word uh, like they can see happy they can feel that but the word joy is actually Joy is actually something that resides within us more deeply. And I have often said that uh, we are actually born with like joy inside of us. Like, you know, you think of a a little baby or a little toddler. They're always laughing and happy. They might cry when they fall or, you know, when because they do toddler things. But there's this joy that's innate within us. And that joy comes from God. and that when we learn to live that and harness it, that can be so that, that is where our strength lies. Right. Um, so God, our joy comes from God and within that comes strength. Um, but it's, it's a tough process for some people to get to.
0: (laughs) I think so because I think, well, joy is separate from happiness. Do you Mm -hmm.
1: agree? 100%. Yep.
0: Can you make some distinction for that? Yeah.
1: Happiness is very fleeting, right? So it's uh, something that we, maybe we receive or uh, a gift and we feel happy about it. We watch a TV show and we laugh and we feel happy, or we maybe hang out with our friends and we're having a good time. Happiness. So happiness is superficial, kind of fleeting usually still makes us feel good, but joy is something that has to be learned and practiced and um we carry within us it's an it's a state of living or a state of being as opposed to just something that uh comes and goes more quickly like happiness
0: so tell us a little bit about your ministry live joy life and i even saw where you mentioned ace methods
1: sure business yeah. ministry so the live joy life came about um when i was in that grieving process of my mom and as i was writing journaling through that with god all these different um, spiritual, biblical principles kept coming up. Things like faith, hope, love, laughter, generosity, gratitude. There's 12 of them really. And I just kept asking God, what, what am I doing? What are these? Why are, Why do you keep bringing these up over and over again? And it wouldn't be until about five years ago that I really recognized that he was helping me to create a kind of a process that people can use when they start to feel overwhelmed, overwhelmed. With life, whether it's grief or just general overwhelm, the chaos of life that we as busy people feel. And through that, he gave me those principles. The live joy life principles are those uh, the things like faith, hope, and love that I listed there. And um, the ace method it became how to apply those. Um, so the live joy life. It, it was years of journaling and praying and research with God, and then finally saying, "Oh, okay, I see what you're doing with these," and then the ACE method became the process of how we incorporate those into our lives. Because finding that joy, that joy state, can be difficult when things are so noisy and so busy. But when we have a process or a a method that we can put together in life and is reusable. Um, it helps us then to kind of prioritize the things that we need to pay the most attention to and gives us something to focus on so that it doesn't feel so crazy and chaotic. And through that is where we can calm our lives enough to be able to find the joy. And that's really good because I think maybe as a
0: general rule, but because I'm I'm more focused on the church, we can say what we need to be doing, share scripture on how you need to be living, but I rarely hear application. And so this ACE method sounds like this powerful portion to what you've laid out in order to find and maintain joy in your life. So that, I think that's pretty cool that you've given application to what you have, you want to teach.
1: Yes. Thank you. I, I 100% agree with you though, that the application part is is the action step, the, the something that you can physically do is, was always the hardest part for me. And so when those principles started to come up between me and God, I was like, okay, but what do I do with these and where do I put them in my life? And, and how do I, how do I show them to other people? And then that's where that, that method, that ACE method came into, um, fruition so that it was something that was applicable to other people
0: to me it moved your story and the message from a great message to one that is applied in life the tools to make it happen now for someone in their life so again just a very powerful transition to a message
1: yeah 100 percent. and it's been uh, again i always say to god the glory because uh, you know He took a a very painful, few very painful periods of my life and gave them. I am one of the blessed ones, gave them some meaning. Um, But it wasn't without hard work. It wasn't without time spent with him. Um, It wasn't without trusting him, though I will be the first to admit that my faith falters sometimes. (laughs) Even the best of us have days where we're pounding on the glass of the windshield in our car saying, Why? I don't understand. Uh, and then we have those moments where it all comes, we are allowed to let all that out and then we can come back to, and for me, that's one of the things that the live joy life has done is I, you know, I can come back to, and specifically assess that's the a assess in my life. What is it? The one or two top things that are bothering me the most that are, I'm having the most trouble with see is contemplate. I can sit with him then with these 12 different principles and let him show me because every time when I sit with them, one or two or three will really pop up. Um, And it's as if he's saying, these are the ones I need you to focus on. And then execute is the E, just being able to put those into action, those three, one, two, or three specific principles. And it's just been such a blessing to have something like that when i have those moments of weakness or lack of faith i can come back to god and say you gave me this method now i can use it and it gives me something to focus on something to work towards a is assess there's 900,000 different things we're thinking about at at one given time and it's really just i call it the brain dump mm-hmm. i just will sit down sometimes and i will write every single thing that's bothering me whether it's my kids are overwhelming my job this stuff, you know, maybe I had a new area of grief in my life or frustration, or maybe I'm sick or I had some people have new medical diagnoses, and those come with a whole new, that's grief in and of itself for a future you didn't expect. Mm-hmm. Um, So assessing is just laying it all out there. You can do it by yourself. You can do it with a friend that you trust. Um, you can do it with um, a coach um, or a spiritual director, anybody really. Um, but you just lay it all out there. The who, what, when, where, why, what's bothering me? Why is it bothering me? How is it bothering me? What are all the details? And then when you, after you've just sat with all of those, cause you can't deal with all of them at the same time. Right. But there's Mm -hmm. usually one or two that are the biggest that are really causing the most trouble or the most mind and heart time. And, um, If you can take those two and work on those two or those one, you know, pick one or two to focus on. So that's what I do. Then I take my list and I number it Mm -hmm. and I take my top one or two, and then I take those into contemplation. So C is contemplation. I take those into contemplation with God. That's, that might take a few days. That might take a week. It might take an hour. It might take a couple minutes, but I really sit with those 12 live joy life principles They're listed on my website, which I can give later. You can put them in the show notes, but, um, and I really just sit with him. The cornerstone principles are faith, hope, and love, right? So almost every situation is going to have at least one of those faith, hope, or love that we're going to want to focus on. Um, the foundational principle that just underlines everything is choice. That's a hard word for some people because They We instantly want to flip it to, well, this situation I'm going through is not my choice. I would not choose this, which I 100% agree. Um, But there does come a time, no matter what we're going through, where we do, God gives us free will. So we do get to make small choices with what we do with our day, right? Just itty bitty incremental choices. So choice is always foundational. It's the top. Faith, hope, and love, those are those are the next ones, um, which usually are going to, one of those is going to apply to almost every situation. And then all of the other ones are supporting principles. So, you know, for instance, uh, when I um, was having a difficult time at a job with a coworker, that was definitely causing a lot of issues. Choice became top because I have the choice of how I interact with this person. And then love actually was the one that God really brought to me because uh, love from a perspective of, you know, he is also a child of God. So I decide I can choose to give him that respect. Um, And then forgiveness in a sense that forgiveness was one of my other supporting principles in a sense that I can recognize that he's also human. And so in that there's some infallibility with how he reacts and responds um, and be able to make some choices to put up a few boundaries, those kinds of things. So that's just like a quick example of how it yeah. eventually came through. So that A was assessed, C was contemplate, and then E is execute. So then now it becomes my job. Each day to go into that interaction, that specific interaction and implement that love and forgiveness. Gratitude was the other one. Gratitude that I have a job that God affords me a job that helps me to live where I live and provides and all of that. But So then the execution part's the most fun and that's the one I like to work with. I work with um, people, actually, I'm going to start doing more uh, life coaching in the new year, but um, just to help people with this um live joy life but executing is fun because that's the one we get to go back and forth what what do you think what do you think God is telling you uh how to love or how to forgive or why do you think that one came up or what is it about forgiveness that you think um God really brought that to your heart for so those are that's the fun one because the I get to see a lot of creativity from people in how they choose to execute some of those principles you know as you're talking I
0: I see this little, what's the way, how do I want to put it? I see a a huge value on when you were saying, be still. And now you're saying, you know, excess and contemplate and execute. So that takes time and reflection and quiet time with the Lord. And I'm looking at the value of that because when you're be still with God, he starts speaking these things into your life. Although you don't make sense of them right away, you hear them. And so there's some growth that he's leading you into this place to discover what he has for you, part of the purpose for which you are alive. And because you may be still a priority, priority you begin to accumulate these things. And then when you have this other process in place, you are now engaging God to find solutions. And, and to me, you, because you're asking and engaging him, you hear these solutions and now you're able to work with a coworker or at least see it in a different light from God's value system. And yeah. so I think that's a huge growth. It's, it's just huge. I, I really can't even put a word to the value of it.
1: Yeah. It's been, it's been crazy. And again, not so the, my middle name is joy. My mom named me Sonia joy Mac. And she said it was cause I was meant to spread joy to the world. And so it, when I was trying to figure all this out, when these principles were coming to me and um, I basically, you know, I was asking God, you told me that mom named me Sonia Joy Mac because I was meant to spread joy to the world. How am I supposed to spread joy to the world when my pain is all I can see or feel or hear? And that's when he really gave me all these principles. And then when I was trying to name what this was that I was um, doing, I said, it has to have joy in it. it. has to have joy in it. It's about living joy. And then it, it's like, it's the live joy life. It's how we live a joy life like I said it's all been quite the process um but I've been I've been blessed to have God lead me through all of that and and really just come up with this this method that I can share with other people
0: I think that the the Lord had already spoken joy over your life knowing what your journey was going to include and then believing that you were going to press into him to discover that joy and how then you can manifest that for others I mean, that's the intimacy of God, right?
1: Crazy, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Uh, one of the beautiful things that God does for us when we're grieving and we draw close to him and we get still or we press in to listen is that he reveals things about himself that we never knew before. It might not be a new revelation for somebody else, but it's new to us. And so I kind of say He he reveals his mysteries to us. Can you think of something that was a mystery to you that God revealed about his character or his nature?
1: yeah I would say just that kind of that story I shared a little that image I shared earlier about him being right beside me um and actually the way I picture it is I even wrote in my I even wrote in the this changes everything I wrote a, a line that said God's not just around you. He's also within you. And I think that that he's, Next to me, but even more importantly, he's within me. That was a hard concept for me to really grasp onto um until I got older and started going through more of this and and I think because you know, when I I just remember being younger, like high school, even college age and hearing God is within you and thinking, yeah, that doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> like you know, your your logical mind has a really hard time thinking about that but as i've really gotten closer to god and and that image of him and then earlier when we spoke of those holy spirit goosebumps that i get to me that's just that's more proof that god literally with his spirit is within us and like he's even giving me like a physical sign um that he is within and that What I'm doing or saying is part of what he wants me to be speaking or what we're speaking together is something somebody needs to hear, that kind of thing. So that image is probably the one that sticks to me the most of what he's taught me the most through all of this.
0: Very interesting perception that you just made about when you had the the goosebumps and all, and you were talking about God within, and it almost makes me think of when you connect with that, which resonates with him, you get a physical reaction to the fact that it resonates with his spirit.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that was something that I did not, um, really just within the last few, probably the last year, I would say, he's really made that known to me. I used to kind of say, oh, I'm getting goosebumps. And then I was like, wait, I think that is the Holy Spirit. Yeah, it is. And then my uh, very dear friend of mine, Lindsay, who does some of the Live Joy Life stuff with me, we have a kind of a side community. We feel like um, it's easier to go through some of this stuff with a very supportive community. And so we call that Soul Sisters Unscripted. That's a kind of a a basis part of the live joy life is this community. And Lindsay is part of that with me. Um, Cause she's always been on this journey with me, but she was one of the first ones to help me see that the goosebumps part where we would be talking together and we'd be like, I'd be like, I got goosebumps. She's like, I have goosebumps. What do you think this is? And then we were talking and every time something we would be talking about God, or we would be sharing a story or, now, even if I'm having a conversation with someone and and I know that the words coming out of my mouth, they're, they are something that this person needs to hear, that they are God speaking through me, which is in and of itself, something so crazy for me to even think of saying, because never in a million years would I have imagined myself to be doing that, or even saying that God would be speaking through me. It's just, it's insane. But when I am speaking to someone and. And I just see their eyes like I just said exactly what they needed to hear. And then I get the goosebumps. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's so crazy how that works. And just I think that acknowledgement that the spirit is within you is such a powerful, powerful um, realization for people because they can really it gives you a strength to know that you're never alone because God is literally within you, not just around you or near you, but within you.
0: For me, when God speaks through me, when I say whatever it is, I'm like, wow, that's really it's a new revelation for me. And I'm thinking, wow, that was really good. And and so I I find benefit in it as well. And that's how I know that, oh wow, the Lord just shared something with me to share with them, or at least I'm getting the benefit from it. Not sure if they got the benefit from (laughs) it, but I'm like, wow, that was really good, Lord. You know.
1: Um, And that entunement just comes with practice and acknowledgement, really, I think when you acknowledge that, when you get a word from God or you're giving a word from God to someone and you can acknowledge that, you're like, oh, okay. Then you start to recognize it more often.
0: I think too, as your maturity grows with Christ and you understand how present he is and the the presence within that, you, you know, God's purposeful, he's intentional. And so you start seeing and looking for things because of his nature to be purposeful and intentional and you discover new things about him that way as well and that's another beautiful journey to be on what is the importance of remembering our loved ones the memories you know what won't they keep you from finding joy or at least some people would think they can't remember some things because it's just too painful Mm. what's the importance
1: the one thing i do want to say though is that um it's important so I don't know if you remember, if you felt this way when your husband passed, I would actually love to know after I say it, Um, because the more people I talk to who have dealt with, it's important to recognize the, the type of memories we're remembering. So in the, especially in the, in the recent after period of losing someone, it's like your brain wants to remember all of the, the, I don't want to say the bad, but the like for me, it wanted to remember the day my mom died and the like every part of that, which was definitely not the good memories. Not that there wasn't, you know, a couple of beautiful parts of it, but in it's it's like physiologically, our minds want to go to the remembering what they looked like when they were sick or what they looked like in their, you know, at the funeral. Just all of those kinds of things, but it's taking. Time, it's making that choice. Ugh, there's that word again, right? And I always like ugh, when I say it, but again, it's not just me speaking it. It's making that choice to remember the good memories over, not that you can't remember the bad or the, the painful or, you know, go through those as part of your grieving process, because that's extremely important. And I do not want to undermine that um, at all. But it was when I started to choose to remember the good memories, the good moments, the fun times, the best times, the parts of her I wanted to remember, that was when the memories really started to, and and that shift inside of me really started to happen, is when I chose to remember the good more than to focus on the hard.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to, I don't know where to start with that one because I did immediately think about all we'd overcome. So that was in my mind immediately went to the bad memories. Ultimately I did settle on the good because I, in any relationship that we have, you're going to have to choose the good over the bad. I think that's the best we can hope for because we're all human. We're all fragile and we can be selfish and broken, you know? So I think that when we get the good things, um, that we should hang on to those as well. And that's where I am. I guess that's why I can't really listen to his voice because I just miss really miss his laughter, but um just miss I'm I'm missing out on having more of you know, like we were set to make more good memories than bad.
1: And that's where the author's note in my book talks about rewriting your story, and that's that's that was without giving away too much of the book because there's a little bit of a kind of a, a twist at the end. But I I would really encourage you or anyone who's missing someone right now, right, who feels like there's a big part of them missing, is is to rewrite your story. Anything big or, or anytime that you're doing something and you and you think to yourself, I wish my husband were here, or for me, I wish my mom were here what would they do? What would they say? How would they say it? What would it look like? How would it be different if they were there? Um, That's truly what this changes. Everything is about is rewriting my story, taking Mm -hmm. all the things that mom missed and writing her back into them. And you will be amazed at how their voice, the one you're missing, you'll be amazed at how their voice comes back through when you do that.
0: Their nature, their character, their, nature, their personalities. Yeah. Their, yeah. They're funny yeah. because my husband was very witty. Yes. Well, we've got to wrap up, but I have so many more questions for you. I wish we had more time. Yes. Um, and you have a free download, so I don't want my listeners to forget that. You have a free download on com, And Sonia is S-O-N-Y-A. Um, is there anything that I haven't asked you about that you want to share before we depart?
1: No, I just want to thank you for this interview. It was so great. Such a wonderful experience. And just um, just that, just love the idea of ending on that, encouraging people to go forward and rewrite their story.
0: Well, you've brought a beautiful message. And I know that a lot of hearts are going to be encouraged to, to take that next step toward healing. So thank you so much, Sonia. I appreciate your time. Thank you.